Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. We've been talking about, we first started out with a prophetic word and, and how he fills that position, Messiah. I spoke about the illustration about being lost. Um, you know, geographically, what happens when we get lost? That's something of the time of the past because everybody got Waze and Google Maps. But, you know, there was a point in time, remember, you used to have to print out the map quest? That's, <laughs> that's, that's, when, the, that's when we had the dial-up ding, 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 in order to get online. And we had to wait like 15 minutes to download an MP3. But it's something when you get lost, there's, there's a fear, a panic that sets in. And I shared about my, my testimony of the time when I almost lost my bearings underwater. And, and I was, you know, trying to gasp for air. And I almost didn't really know which way was up and which way was down. And I was swimming and swimming. And, and the panic that begins to set in, the heart palpitations, it seems that with every beat, it, gets, it almost gets deeper, deeper. And oftentimes we can find ourselves lost in life. When crisis hits, the loss of a job, we spoke about divorce, we spoke about that crisis moment, that car accident, the death of a loved one, the unexpected phone call that could come, and how we can emotionally, psychologically be completely lost. And it has nothing to do with our geographical location, it has to do with our internal bearing. Oftentimes we could give the best advice to people, but yet when, when we're in the crisis, can't even think straight. Can't even think straight. So what do you do and, and what, what type of protocols has God put in place? Because let me tell you something, First Peter chapter 5 tells us that the road is marked with suffering. There's going to be suffering in this life. Be careful of the gospel that is preached that is going to tell you that you can have your best life. He's going to make you prosperous. He's going to make you good. He's going to make you invincible. Because that's not the gospel of the Bible. This road is a road that's marked with suffering. People will, will ridicule you. People will point you out. People will turn around and say, hey, I thought you was a Christian. You're not supposed to. It's amazing how the world knows better how we ought to be living. But God put things in protocol, put, put, put things in position. And he gave gifts to his body. He gave gifts to the church. And that's where we picked up our, um, our intro last week. We, we were speaking about the pastor and his position within the church. Poimin, poimin, that the, the Greek wound his life for his flock, the one that would feed and lead his sheep to green pastures, to good food. Blocking them all the poison and all of the shrubbery that can damage their stomach. No, the good shepherd brings them and, and prepares a good meal. Prepares safety and security for the flock. Would, would sleep, would sleep 
at the, at the gate, at the entrance. He would lay down his life, close his eyes. If a wolf wanted to come in, he would have to first get through him. I know that a lot of this message is, 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 is really exposing the standard. And if, if we really as ministers trust God, then, then God has set the standard. He has equipped us to be able to live up to the standard. The people of God ought to know what the standard and, and shysters and charlatans that talk a good game. Oh, they can sound good and quote chapter and verse. But oftentimes, if you spend some time around them, you'll, you'll find some discrepancies. You'll, you'll find some disparities. You'll, you'll, you'll pick up on certain innuendos that just doesn't kind of quite line up. But the only way that you can pick that up and know that is if you yourself become students of the word. If you yourselves know the truth, I'm not talking about the subjective truth. I'm not talking about the objective truth. I'm not talking about the universal truth because what's good for you is good for you and what's good for me is good for me. Your truth and my truth may be different truths and so if that's the case, which one's true? I'm here to, to, to challenge you, church. There is but only roads leaving, leading to heaven. And I say, yeah, you know what? All roads are going to lead to heaven. All roads. Doesn't matter what you believe, how you live your life. Your road is going to lead you to the same place. It's going to lead you to a heaven, but that heaven's going to be a throne of judgment. God will not be mocked. We, we are held accountable for the things that we think about, the things that we do, the things that we should do and don't do. All of that. All of that. The essence of who we are. How we live. All roads are going to lead us to that throne, that judgment scene. And there we will hold account. And at that point in time, there's going to be wheat, and there's going to be tares, there's going to be sheep, and there's going to be goats. And there's going to be a separation. Come on. We're going to preach this truth. People need to know the truth. 11.16 is where we pick up our passage that we're exploring. Amen. Uh, if you have your scriptures, uh, uh, flip to them, thumb to them. Um, and if you don't, uh, Oscar or uh, Zach will have them on the board. Thank you, my brother. How many, how many people know that it's awesome to have young men available huh, to, to do the work of the ministry? Come on. Marco, Zach. And the word of the Lord is read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine 
by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to gather together. You said in your word, do not forsake the assembling, the coming together of the brethren of the saints, like-minded people, pursuing your heart, your face, your knowledge. I pray, O oh Father God, as we have felt your Holy Spirit fill this place this morning, that, O oh Father God, you would now open up our spiritual eyes, open up our spiritual ears, stir within our soul, O oh God, the eternal truth of your word. I pray, God, that you would fill my mouth with the particular words this congregation needs to hear. Let every person here in this room be edified, built up, transformed into the image of your Son. We ask it through the power of your Holy Spirit and in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say... Amen and amen and amen. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be telling on myself a little bit this morning. This is, this, is what, this is what the expectation and the standard needs to be for leadership. This is how, you know, I, I got to measure myself, right? You, you, when I wake up in the morning, you know what happens? I go to the bathroom and, you know, I brush my teeth. I get the little, you know, eye, little eyes gunk out and clean my face, do my hair and be presentable because you know what? I don't just represent myself. I represent the kingdom. Amen. And there's a certain character. There's a certain personification to whom much is given, much is required. And I know that people don't just know me as Rob. They know me as Pastor Rob. Doesn't matter where I go. Anywhere between like Brewster <laughs> to, to, to Rockland County, I go to Home Depot, CVS's, I, I move around. There is all restaurants, sit down, always. There's not a place that I go that I don't run into someone that says, hey, Pastor Rob. And that's all right. And that's all right. We spoke about certain characteristics that a minister has. And, and remember, I shared Charles Finney and his address to some graduating young ministers in regards to their comportment, how you put yourself together. You don't, you don't put muddy feet on top of someone's, you know, you, things you just don't do. There's social norms that we have to adhere ourselves to. We spoke about a, 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 an excellent minister being faithful student to the scripture. Huh? Ha, having, having the capacity and the, the capability of being able to do word studies and, and linguistic and language searches, of being able to break down Hebrew, Chaldean, going into the Greek. Not that I speak any of those languages, but as a student of the Bible, I need to go into the original manuscripts, know what the Septuagint, the Masoretic text, know the variances, the MXX, the Latin Vulgate, have, have the resources and the richness of, of, of 
the commentaries, the, the great men of old that, that have searched out their scriptures and gave their life to the work of its, uh, uh, of its understanding and its right interpretation. Bible cannot mean something today that it didn't mean back then. Going back and understanding its original meaning and its cultural context, then applying it into our lives today. That is the job of the pastor. Having that understanding. Not always having all of the answers, but you know what? When I get those questions, I love them. I come alongside of a sister and say, come on, let's search that out together. The, the amount of resources and software and logos and, and being able to break these things down and search them out. It's, it's a joy to my heart. It's my pastime. I love it. People look at me and they're like, you're crazy. But if God created, if, the, if that's the way he wired you, that's just, it, it's not me. It's just the way God made me. I love it. I love it. So you got to be a faithful student of scripture. And we spoke about an excellent minister avoids the influence of unholy teaching. Knows what's correct to what's not correct. That is searching. Oftentimes I, I, I watch some of these uh, televangelists and, you know, I mean, I, you know, from, from Daystar to TBN to Inspiration Network to, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got a series. I've got those that I enjoy watching. And, I, and then I have those that I watch just to be a watchman on the wall. Because you, you, you pick up of those, on those discrepancies and you pick up on those little innuendos that aren't theologically correct. And you're like, hmm, you know, so... Because I'm a student of scripture, I can, I can chew up the meat and spit out the bones. If it don't apply, I let it fly. I don't always hold on to it, but if I can pull out a nugget out of it, the Holy Spirit can use a donkey. If the Holy Spirit can use a jackass to speak and let the prophet know what was going on, then, you know, he can use any one of those people on TV. But we need to know and have an ear of discretion. We have to know what's lining up with the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not the will of man, not the will of name. I don't like this whole prosperity. God has given us, yes, the blessing, uh, his favor. If we do what we are supposed to do, if we tithe and we contribute, and God, your life is our, God will prosper us. He'll open us. We'll get promotions. We'll get opportunity. He will do that. But this prosperity gospel is a farce. The name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it, the calling those things that are not, laying hands on Mercedes Benzes because that's what, you know what? When I was, when I needed a car, I didn't want a Mercedes Benz. I'd happy with a Yugo. We want to, we want to be able to, we want to be able to, um, we want to be able to identify what's, what's not holy, what's not correct teaching. And so, an excellent minister warns the people of error. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits. And doctrinal books, you know, come to, you know, you have the, uh, uh, the gospel according to Thomas. You have uh, uh, um, uh, Enoch, the book of Enoch. You have all of these um, uh, uh, extra biblical 
texts that you can't even date it back to you know uh, to the points they never made it into the canonization of scripture and so therefore you know foolishness to be able to adhere uh, there's some apocryphal books. There's some um, books that you can use for um, historical content. That there, there's some information that you can, you know, gather and pull out of it. But if it wasn't canonized, if it wasn't brought in to what we have today in regards to the holy scriptures, those 66 books that in the Council of Trent and the and the Nicene Council back in 324 A.D. when those letters were circulating of the New Testament and the church Churches began to gather those letters and bring them in and, and held a 23-point function in regards to every letter having to contain over 23 points of showing that these are can there was a formula that came through in order for us to be able to gather those books into the scriptures. Now let me ask you a question. If God in his sovereignty, God in his all wisdom and, 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 and capability, knowing that there was going to be a book that would be his word, which is the one book, the only book that is translated into every single language, which is the book, the one book, the only book that is placed inside every drawer, which is the book, the only book that people are dying for just to be able to keep it, which is that book? Being translated into indigenous languages, people and missionaries going to remote areas of 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 of, of jungles and and Amazon rainforests and 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 people trying to learn dialects of of villages that don't even have languages. I mean, they're just and the Lord said. Do you know the life work, the heart that a person has to have to dedicate themselves to learn a dialect of a, and be able to then take the scriptures and translate that so that they can understand it? There ain't no other historical, spiritual, religious writings in all of the world that can ever compare to the holy scriptures. And in order to warn people of the errors, we have to become the students. And that's why it's the heart of this church that every person is biblically literate, knowing the resources, knowing you are Bible students, Bible scholars, that when people speak to you, they speak to you and they think, that, are, are you in full-time ministry? How do you know so much? Because it lives inside of me. This is all about faith applied. That's a new series that's going to be coming too. Um, an excellent minister avoids the influence of unholy teaching. And then we're picking up a minister, an excellent minister is disciplined in personal godliness. This is something that we need to be able to hold our, our uh, 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 leaders, our pastors, our preachers in hand. 1 Timothy 4, 7, 8 says, but reject profane old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. That picture of disciplining yourself for the purpose of godliness, disciplining yourself. What, what, you know, what are some of the images that, 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 that come into your mind? 
to discipline yourself for godliness. Y'all, another translation or rendition would be exercise. Days out of the week, it takes a certain discipline in order to do that. You, you exercise your body, that means that you're going to put it under strenuous uh, 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 circumstances. And so you put resistance against the body in order to then be able to strengthen the body. And so when you purposefully, intentionally put yourself within some resistance, you know that the byproduct, the effect of that is going to be stronger muscles. When we, when we gather ourselves into the spiritual realm and we begin to exercise the, the spirit man, when we begin to pray, when we begin to fast, when we begin to seek out the Lord and study his scriptures, when we shut the circumstances out and begin to praise him, worship him, all of a sudden we're going against the natural desire of the body. Oh, I want to give up. Oh, I'd love to go to sleep. Oh, I just want to go into my room and shut. I'm going to bore. Oh, I just, but instead of doing that, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to go to church. I'm, I'm going to call up a brother. I'm going to call up a sister. I'm going to pray about it. When we exercise that portion of our soul, then we're getting stronger and stronger. And just like you can see the physical muscles, hopefully, you'll see the spiritual muscles coming out what does the spiritual muscle look like oh my god Lynn could you believe da, da, da. okay okay that's all right God is still in control but why aren't you flipping because God is in control Lord Father I release this situation to you let it have its perfect work when we're when we're creatures of faith then, then the things of this world don't move us. They, the Bible says they grow more really dim. They're, they're dimming away. The things of this world aren't even important anymore. Why? Because we're not living for this. We're living for that. It's the kingdom. I'm going to die. You're going to die. When you have the security of eternal salvation within your soul, you're at peace with that. Because whether we live or die, we live. We're talking about a strenuous training, self-dying discipline in the direction of godliness. No, I'm not going to fulfill the desire of the flesh. Even though I may want to pick up that drink, I'm not going to pick up that drink. I'm disciplining myself. I'm, I'm telling no. That's why when we fast, when we fast, it's, it's disciplining the body. I tell the stomach when it eats and not eats. The stomach doesn't tell me. And if we can discipline the flesh to that level, and I can, I can deny it something that it needs in order to survive because I, I'm in charge. Not, uh, it's my stomach. I'm, I'm hungry. So why? Shut up. You're going to psych me out. Come on. I get so busy at work. I can go an entire day without work and not even eat lunch and come to the end of the day and be like, Oh man, I didn't even eat today. But meanwhile, the moment I say, you know what, I'm going to fast. Two hours go by. Oh my God, I'm starving. Oh. Foolishness. 
<laughs> Peter, Peter, Peter says it like this in regards to godliness, what, what our lives ought to resemble. Uh, he, he would say, beating your body into submission, lest in preaching to others, you become dakumas. You become disqualified. Dakumas. That means that, you know what? Everything that you said holds absolutely no credibility because of your actions. Talk and be all the man, all charismatic and all bah, bah, bah. But, but if, but if at the moment somebody upsets you and I see your mouth loose out. What? Come on. That's, that's nonsense. You're not talking real. You're not talking real. We can spot real. Huh? We're from peak, I mean, we're in peak skill. You can tell when someone's trying to shyster. Come on, man. Go run that game somewhere else, dog. I've been done around this block three times already. Stop it. Stop it. Come on. Get real. Get real. I'll help you when you're ready to get real. Example is the most powerful rhetoric. Paul commands Timothy, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather show yourself an example of those who believe. And I, and I want to call that out to our young people in the church. Your youthfulness. Don't let anybody look down at you because you're youthful, because you've got some, you know, you still got a spring in your step. Do you know that as you apply the word of God in your lives, you carry more wisdom that the peace and the joy that you have, that's, you may take it for granted. You don't even realize the gift that you have that's inside of you. Don't take that for granted, your youthfulness. You, you have within you the wisdom to minister to 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds. There are people that are 60 years old that need to hear what you know. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak the truth that, 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 that's deep within your heart and your soul. Because your classmates need to hear it. Your teachers may need to hear it. You might walk into your classroom one day and see your teacher really down and just be like, yo, prof. Just wanted to let you know I'm, I'm praying for you. I, I, I just feel like there's a weight, there's a, there's a burden on you. And, and I believe in prayer and I just want to let you know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be praying for you. It'll, it'll transform a person. It'll change an individual. It'll, 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 that, that's, that's, that's the key that unlocks the door for God's blessing to rush into that person's life. You hold that key. MacArthur once said, the single greatest support of truth in your preaching is the power of an exemplary life. This is your most reliable weapon. This is what makes everything believable. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. And oftentimes, uh, it, takes, it takes time to see. Because we are what we consistently do. And some people could do good for a little bit, but all of a sudden you'll see the... And then you'll see the... But the consistent... Oh, a little slip up here, a little mess up there. That you expected. But a life consistent to the values of the kingdom of God is the standard that we need to look for. Amen? Um, I'm going to ask Gino to come up and share a little bit on this next point. I got two more points. 
We're going to go quick. An excellent minister is committed to hard work. An excellent minister, an excellent pastor, he's committed to hard work. Not easy work, it's hard work. Now, I thought it would be a little self-serving if I came up, oh, you know, I, I do this and I do... <laughs> so, what I thought is, I asked Gino to come up. Gino, uh, uh, what was it, two days ago? Yeah. Two days ago, had, had the opportunity with... And yesterday, so so we've spent we spent maybe about seven eight hours together uh, within the past like couple of days. Gino has had experience and has sat in some of our board meetings. I, I'm going to ask him to share a little bit on the work of the pastor. Amen. I don't think too many people realize what really goes in to the work of our pastor and what our pastor does. Our pastor comes in here and he sets this place up. He has men come in here and, and, and help him out. But he is one of the men that single-handedly will be the first one to do it. When he sits in the board meetings and he's accountable for every single penny that, that, that is being brought into this place. And how it's going out. And how he's helping people, but he doesn't say anything. How people call him constantly, every day. I mean, I was in the car with him for about... Three hours, he must have received about 30 phone calls. And everything being pulled from different directions. As a matter of fact, I even went about telling him, you know what, thank God I'm just an associate. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, because you want to know something? I couldn't handle the position of a lead pastor. But we are so blessed. Morning. Before, before anybody in his house and he goes downstairs into his office to get into the word that the word can get into you all these things when he goes out and he gets insurance and he has to go to different places to get different quotes to get it uh, uh, you know just a church insured these things are things that people don't see when he goes and he does ministry, when he starts to minister to people, when he starts to, to talk to them and pour into him, and he's trying to go, man, I, I, this is more important. But then he has his family life. He has his work life. I mean, he still works. He's being pulled in so many different directions. But I got to tell you something. We have to lift up our pastors. We have to lift them up. And it's so important that we lift them up. It's so important that we cover him in prayer. Because people don't know the attacks that come upon the pastors. But I just want to say, you know what? Just, just being, I, I know Pastor Rob for 10 years. 10 years. And this man has always been faithful always been faithful to God always been faithful to the to the word of God that when he imparts it into people it's incredible it's incredible the way that God uses this man and we have to be thankful peak when I tell you we are blessed we are blessed with a shepherd that's been handpicked by God amen Thank you, Pastor.
here's here's the funny thing is that you know um it is it's an it's a, a um insurmountable amount of work and responsibility and and pressure but you know when god calls you to something you know find what you find the passion find what it is that you love and you'll never work a day in your life he 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 designed my heart i can't take credit for that i can't take credit the love that i have for people the love that i have for his word the the desire that that i have for people to see them set free he he built me that way i'm wired that way i don't have to try to do that that's just that's just what exudes out of me in fact it exudes so much out of me that the people that are around me are usually the ones trying to pull me back calm down slow down pump the brakes pull it back it's a it's a commitment calls calls to labor and strive in verse 10 excellent ministry should be exhausting when i say i'm exhausted i don't i don't mean i don't want your pity i just i want to say man you know there's so much stuff i'm exhausted i'm i'm finding the fulfillment and and the outlet to expel the energy that god has given me that's a blessing it's not a curse you know this word labor and strive the the greek word is agonizomai agonizomai it's where we get the english word agony church are we agonizing for our faith luke uses this word twice in his gospel um he uses the the first time uh in for 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 jesus in in, in the garden and when he was in the garden of gethsemane he was praying to the point where he was sweating right sweat and drops of blood he was agonizomai he was he was praying to the point of agony he was sweating blood and then luke uses that on uh, later on in verse uh, chapter 17 and he's speaking to his disciples and he says strive therefore to enter through the narrow gate the two words he uses agonizomai was was when jesus was in the garden and when he was instructing us agonizomai to enter through the narrow gate strive it's that much of a strain it's going to be that much of a work it's going to take that much effort family be ready and be prepared to sweat blood for your faith for that what you believe when we labor to the point of striving agonizing knowing that for momentary light affliction it's just a light affliction it's passing away it's all it's here and now strive now while we're here because there's going to come a point in time we ain't waking up and so what did you do while the time you were here these are momentary light afflictions and they're producing inside of us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at the things which are but the things that are not seen we're looking towards the kingdom not the things of this world oh, verse 11 reveals that an excellent minister teaches with authority command and teach these things this is something that we need to know the bible does not give us prescriptions 
The Bible does not give us suggestions. The Bible gives us commands. Authority comes from God through the scriptures to you when you handle the scriptures accurately, clearly, and boldly. You handle the scriptures. When you live this thing out, there's a boldness, there's an authority that comes. Why? Because you know you're not speaking your own words. Whose words are you speaking? I'm not giving you my suggestion. I'm not, I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm telling you what God says that you should do. This is what the Bible says in regards to this. I remember when I was in that situation. And this is the scripture that the Lord gave me. This is how he brought me out of it. I'm not preaching you because I'm coming in. I'm bringing it out of seminary. I'm teaching it because it's, it's, it's what I applied in my life. This is tried and true, tested. An excellent minister uses his spiritual gifts and employs it, activates it. That is to say he is faithful to the usefulness of that gift, that calling, that ordaining, that setting apart over the long haul, the consistency of time. I know the gifts that God has given me and I begin to employ them and use them. The gift is, 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 what selfishness is that? If, if, if I know that I have a gift and I keep it all to myself. Me, 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 me. My, 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 my precious. My precious. It's my gift. No. God gifted me so that I can pour it out. What well, we've been freely given, church. We freely give. Amen? And then finally, an excellent minister is manifestly growing spiritually you know you should be able to see the manifestation of god inside the minister's life if you know him for a good amount of time and you've been with him for a year two years three years you should be able to physically see growth maybe sometimes it's not in leaps and bounds but if you're around me you should be able to through time say wow you know what i remember when i passed rob 10 years ago gino pulled it back <laughs> but i remember when and i can see the growth and i could i saw when he messed up and he did that correction and you know the humility and 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 and, and the surrendering and the seeking of counsel of of going to the godly people and you should be able to manifestly see god in the life of your minister let your progress listen to what the bible says let your progress be seen by everybody let it be seen that's the glory of the lord huh your testimony a glory of the lord people can live with that if they see that they can oh they might oh i'm so happy for you could you believe what happened don't worry don't worry God's favor on your life is the testament it is the credibility it is the proof of his presence with you they need to know your weakness they they'll embrace you for it knowing that you know you go through your struggles and and how you surrender it and how you employ your faith and how then the faith 
returns and becomes the essence. Hey. And this is what a this is what a, a good pastor ought to look like. This is what he ought to resemble. You ought to feel that love, that care. You know, the, the church family is here so that when the domestic family falls apart, when your life goes into a crisis, when a situation comes and you fall under attack, when, when an opportunity arises or, or there's a time to celebrate, when it seems that nobody else is around, guess what? You can always rely on the church family. This is how you'll know them. This is how you'll know them. By the love that they have for one another. How we display that love. Huh? I love that time and that moment when we tithes and the offerings and people start moving. I sit back and I watch. And I watch how y'all start praying for each other. And I see how y'all start talking and catching up during the week. And, and y'all start asking each other questions. And how is so and so? And can we lift this person up? Huh? That, that, that's community. That's family. And that's what we are. As you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Just so you don't see me cry. <laughs> Do you know Jesus Christ as your pastor and as your shepherd? Have you accepted his offer of salvation? The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.